Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Dabblers Book Club. This is the podcast for people that have never read Chaucer and probably never will. I'm Curtis. And I'm Hadjo. And it's only been two days since we last spoke to you. Um, I mean, Not that you'll know that. No, for you it's like weeks and weeks, but actually <laughs> we're, we're sort of backing up books and, and hammering out podcasts, aren't we? Trying to get lots done. This one was your suggestion? Yes, it was. Uh, where did I get it? Did I, think, did I buy that or was it given to me? I don't know. I, I remember <laughs> it just appeared on the bedside table. Um, I can't remember you where I got think. that. It might be given to me. <laughs> the book is Fleischman is in Trouble by Tappy Bradessa Ackner. Uh, she is quite a well-known journalist. What do you think? I liked it. You liked it? Yeah, yeah, it was good. So you recommend you recommend it to me, and I'm seeing a pattern develop where like, <laughs> you, I like your recommendations, and I and then my recommendations to you, it's like, ah, no, men! I <laughs> like I like your recommendations. They open my eyes to things I've been trying to close my eyes to for the last ten years. Okay. Um, well, um... So with this, right, mm. when I was reading it, I did not know the gender of the author. Mm-hmm. And considering gender is a topic that comes up quite a lot on this podcast, yeah. I was like, this is great. I'm going to cons- like continue to read this. And, and I couldn't work it out. And, and part of my reading experience was trying to guess whether it was a man or a woman. I suppose it's probably um, quite right and quite nice that I I just kept changing my, mm. my view because it could have been either... Uh, so it's nice that something was fairly ungendered. Um, how and I was planning to find out on this podcast. I was going to like Google her live. However, you well there we go. Her um, I have obviously yeah. uh, discovered because uh, you were tweeting the other day, weren't you? Oh yeah, I tweeted her. So I, I think I she's turning it into a screenplay. Really? Um, oh. Which looks very exciting or a play of some form. So it's it's a novel about. Quite, divorce, a, quite a bitter divorce, yeah. yeah. And I think because... And we watched Marriage Story uh, two nights ago, so we are all about the divorce right now. Yeah, that was really sad. Oh. This I found less sad, actually. Mm. Um, this was... Um, it had sad moments, but ultimately you, you are following Toby Fleischman, um, the protagonist, and I think initially you're rooting for him and how difficult it is. But then towards the end, the sort of perspective shifts and you experience Rachel, his ex-wife or the wife he's in the mm. process of, of divorcing. Um, and actually, while she's been made out to be quite a difficult person, you realise actually she's quite deeply depressed, mm-hmm. I'd say. Um, 
And also has pulled her weight far more than he even acknowledged. Yes, um, massively, massively. Which um, was, uh, was relatable. Also, Libby, the yep. other key character. Yeah. Um, who, yeah, actually, when I was thinking back to this, because I, I'm, it was only when I read a review of it, I was like, of course, like, I forgot the main thing um, that had really struck me while I was reading it. Three weeks ago, I had lots and lots of thoughts on it, obviously. Um, <laughs> and then, I, then you waited for me then to I read waited it. Then I waited for you. <laughs> um, but... I found it a really clever book. I loved the way it was written. She's just a supremely talented writer, I think. Yeah, um, I agree. think she's got a fantastic, fantastic style. I think the fact that you didn't know it was uh, the gender of the author as well was quite testament to her to her writing style as well. Yeah. But I think when you know the gender, you're almost waiting for them to slip up, aren't you? You're like, oh, I'm waiting to see, if, is this what a real man would say? Yeah. Or is it, you know. Well, th- th- this is what I was going to say. It shouldn't be a conversation, and it sh- quite plainly shouldn't matter, but we do have these pre- you know, preconceived ideas and, th- and, and conclusions we jump to, and it is something we discuss a lot, the yeah. fact that, you know, when we started this podcast, I didn't have a lot of uh, female authors on my bookshelf, mm-hmm. and I did want to address that and experience... It doubled now. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so it, it is nice to read a book not knowing the author's gender. Yeah. Um, and it's weird because I was, you know, making guesses and all oh, well, that, that, you know, talking about sex in that way is obviously a man or, mm. or no, giving a male character that much in the way of emotion is obviously a woman because that's not accurate. <laughs> I, I did a little bit of that, but nothing to the point where at any point I was convinced of... Uh, One way or the other. Yeah, yeah. the gender. Um, Libby was an important character. You didn't um, find out her name until quite far in, did you? She became... She she was no. I thought I thought the end, and this is probably me bloody scrim reading, but um, so she's obviously quite an important character because she's this. She narrates a good deal of it, and she well, it's all her narration ultimately. It's all. See, I was wondering that. I didn't know if it was meant to be sometimes from um, a narrator who's removed from it, and sometimes Livy. I thought it was quite clear when it switched to her voice. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But yeah, I thought, it, and her relevance became more and more apparent, and then everything gets tied together later on when she runs into Rachel, and suddenly you see Rachel post-breakdown. I mean, it starts off in the third person, but then you realise that is the third person perspective of a writer, so Libby is the narrator. I believe uh, that is, that, you know. See, I'm probably just, yeah, stupid. So but, um, she's, no, <clears throat> um, yes, sometimes months would go by and I wouldn't even think of him, think of him even once, and that is just after... You know, talking about Toby. That's it. She talks about when she met him in in Israel. Um, yeah, that was all really cool, actually. All that backstory. Yeah, that was really, that was really yeah. fascinating. Because I think that's. Um, I don't know much about it, but from Jewish friends, I think every Jewish person can go to Israel for some sort of cultural kind of education and trip. So it's this sort of amazing bonding kind of mm. experience. Um, and it's also meant to you know, give you a real sense of culture and history. And uh, But, you know, she definitely, it, I think it strikes you. I remember having to read over him like, oh, OK, this is from a first, this is actually from a first person, but mm-hmm. filled in. Um, yeah, that's a really interesting technique. Actually. It is. There's some things where you have like issues of point of view because it's like, well, how would she know that? But then you just sort of trust her artistic style, which is, oh, she's just filling in the details. And I do need to bring this back to bloody creative writing class because it really pissed me off um, because I had an idea for a book which was a woman filling in the gaps about her late husband's um, documentary that he was making and she wanted to understand why he killed himself, basically. And uh, this is my idea. No one steal it. It's a fucking brilliant idea. Wait. In about 30 years, I'll write it. And yeah, and I... 
knew that there are certain things she wouldn't know that she was filling in the gaps. But everyone in my class was like, well, how would she know that? There's a point of view issue here. It's like, no, she's writing the story based on all this other information. And she's filling in the gaps like a normal storyteller. Is, is this your page fold here, by the way? Yes, yeah, sorry, I folded the page. I do not like that. I'm That's sorry. page 63, 64. You need it to come back to. Okay. <laughs> I always used to like bend the spines of books and like fold the page instead of having a bookmark, mainly because I hated it when people used to go, oh, I hate it when people fold the pages. So you I'm do like, just to piss them off? Not to piss them off, just be like, it's my fucking book, I'll do what I want. This is yeah. like my... However, um, they, then I did get to a point where a lot of my books had the pages falling out and stuff, <laughs> so I stopped doing it and I do use bookmarks now. You don't put your books in boxes, I remember seeing those in storage, they're all in a bloody yeah, suitcase well, I let you use and... my storage oh. for a year, so... Uh, do you want to go into this now? <laughs> um, yeah, so bring it back to, to Libby. So she is, um, for those who haven't read it, she is uh, Toby's friend from university. And essentially, if yeah, she's telling the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do, I like the sort of artistic license and the artistic freedom that the author has given herself with that to kind of fill in the gaps that she otherwise wouldn't know about Toby's life you know there's mm. certain details in here it's like point of view wise if you were being a stickler for point of view like, there's no way she'd know that but I like that sort of creativity and then you realise that Libby's career is basically writing about men well I, th- I think you get to the end and clearly career. that Libby is I feel like Libby is taffy so the, the, the actual yes, writer yeah I think there's it, a lot there she is there? Libby there's and then of... you know you never know how much this is based on um... she's definitely drawn on her writing experience and yeah. sort of all these cool interviews she's done with all these like it definitely gives cool, cool insight. Stars. I mean, I think the yeah, uh, Bradessa Ackman is interviewed like Gwyneth Paltrow and like kind of oh, big okay. celebs and stuff. So yeah, she's definitely yeah. drawn on that for Libby and there's loads and loads of parallels. I think a key thing about this when it comes to the narrator is who is the book about? Because you think at first that it's about Toby Fleischman. Yes. And then actually when you get more of Libby's story, you kind of get this sense and then towards the end Rachel's as well. You get the sense that he is—he's the only way they're able to tell their story. It's almost like, do we need a man to get the attention? Yeah. <laughs> and then actually, you fill in the gaps, and there's all this stuff going on about the women kind of creeping through those gaps in his story. I sort of feel like that, that could sense. could well. Do you think that was her intention? Yes, because um, yeah, I, I think so too. I also just think. Like you say, and then like, oh my gosh, it is remarkably like the film we watched last night, the mm, the, the, story, the, yeah. the thing with Kylo Ren in it. The, the more <laughs> that actually, yeah, you, you're initially, I wouldn't go as far as say you're rooting for him, but you're certainly sympathising, empathising with him. And, and, and she sounds like a nightmare from that. Yeah, perspective, yeah, she? and I guess that's what we do in society is, mm. you know, it's, whoever you meet first, the other person, whoever you meet first, the other person's a nightmare, and often because men talk more. You, you know that often ends up being the woman is the nightmare and you just end up you know it's so refreshing actually when you get to part three of this book which is called racial racial fleischman is in trouble mm-hmm. um you realize she is in trouble in a, on a real yeah. level yeah. um and i hate him for that yeah. i hate that he has not been able to notice this mental breakdown in his wife in any way shape or form and mm. just the exhaustion that will have led to her you know that there's that brilliant bit isn't there where you know the repeated paragraphs Oh, she's getting the Chinese food. God, yeah. So Do you know what? Clever. To the point where I... You first think, oh, hang on, there's a mean misprint. I thought it was a misprint. Yeah. And I, I reread it. I went, oh, no, this is her losing her marbles. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah, and then it's brilliant. She, um, and it's great because it sends you on this... Oh, God, yeah. Um, it's such a... Uh, her breakdown was so well depicted, actually. I think that was, like, the most fantastic part of the book. It's such clever writing to bring the reader into that confusion and that mm. sense of 
um, yeah, exhaustion in a way, like, oh, my God, this sounds just... She's just going around in circles doing the same thing. And that she clearly has no real good friends that are looking out for her. There's no one looking after her. And mm. then you get a bit more of a sense of her um, internal life with how much she would have done in that household mm. for her children. Yes, she might not have done the picking up from school or whatever, but she looked in, she researched everything, you know, every decision about their lives. She was the one making the decisions, but actually not making the decisions, putting all the research in. And I think there's this, you know, thing about a woman's, a woman's work is, um, you know, it's not noticed. Her, her work just wasn't noticed because the amount of thought women put into important decisions for their children... Uh, you can't add that up in a easy numerical way, mm. but yeah, all of that over time will have exhausted her, and she's yeah, and it's ultimately just driven her to the brink, hasn't it? It's so sad that she's been trying to create this life for herself from her bad upbringing and all that sort of thing. You know, she had you knew she had to make a life for herself and um, and for her family, and I'm just really angry at him for just being this wet drip that is just so egotistical and arrogant and mm. self-pitying and yeah because you can ugh. you can tell from the way it's written he's the the guy at parties you know with a bit of a belly on him stood in the corner thinks he's a bit too intelligent for everybody else but actually he's very antisocial yeah, he's yeah. very you know melty not that or we'll be able to i don't yeah i get the sense that he's just able to turn on the sub story when he wants to um, yeah, yeah. Although he's, I don't know. He's not a popular character, is he? I know there's evidence of him having friends and going to parties, yeah. but he just he doesn't seem like he's ever enjoyed a party or enjoyed the company of friends particularly. Mm -hmm. There's one or two scenes where randomly he'd had too much to drink, but that wasn't often. He's not really a drinker. Yeah. Um, and he's just weird. got that one kind of crazy guy friend that you know always oh, yeah, fucks yeah. with the younger women and is off doing whatever he wants. Yeah, and you feel like on some level he, he, he wants, wants to, to be, be that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and interestingly, actually, so Toby. In fact, it's sort of at the top of this book. Toby's separated from Rachel, and he's all over the apps. Yeah. Um, and all that side boot. Now, th this was weird actually, because I think you 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 just started the book, and you said to me, um, "Oh, it's a guy who's got divorced, and suddenly he's irresistible to women." Mm -hmm. And there, there are like the book opens like that, like a links advert. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like he's kind of um, suddenly. There's women at, at school, like on the school run yeah. dropping their kids off and they're touching his arm in a way that they'd never touched his yeah. arm before and it's saying all that stuff. And I thought, okay, the theme of the book, I thought it was going to be a little bit... Um, it wasn't all normal in the world. I, oh, I see, I'm, right. You, what's you, the you, word? I'm you not, thought it might um, be hit by some sort of magic power. That's yeah, yeah, I thought yeah, it was going to be something like that. No, yeah, yeah, you've said it far just, better than I did. You spray some links on and suddenly... I thought it was going to be <laughs> like that. Like, yeah, something supernatural. Um, and it wasn't. I'm it, really bad just... at trailing books to you, aren't I? Like, I give you the completely wrong impression I've noticed. Weirdly, I <laughs> weirdly, I did want to read that book. <laughs> I, 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 and not in any, you know, it just sounded like a funny premise. A guy wakes up. And guy wakes up who's, you know, a kind of a fat doctor that's lost his wife. And suddenly he's irresistible to all the women mm -hmm. in the city. Which was almost discordant, actually, with his character. But I don't know the, you know, 40-year-old dating world. I'm not even 30 yet. So. <laughs> I think what was clever about the narration of his character was how, as we got to know Libby a bit more... You cared about him less, what I felt. And I sort of... There were lots of elements I didn't quite understand about him, but I almost didn't care because the fact that she was remembering how he hadn't asked her about herself. Mm. And it's like, oh, yeah, you're a dick. And it actually, it took her to point this out mm. that for the reader to then notice it. Like, oh, yeah, none of that has been about you and you've been in this... You know, you're meeting up with this guy and you're still this girl chasing the guys. Mm. Um which is quite, I imagine, relatable for a lot of 
you know, sort of strongish women in their teens, you want to be friends with all. You want to be friends with all guys. You want to be one of the lads. You want to be respected. Mm. Um, and then you realise, oh no, you're just a little girl with pigtails trying to like play football and getting beaten up. Mm. Um, not that ever happened to me. So in the middle of this divorce, mm-hmm. if we can, there are two children. Yes. The 11-year-old Hannah and the 9-year-old Solly. Mm-hmm. I thought they were, I don't know about you, I thought they were written really well. They really were. I thought Solly particularly, the little boy, I thought in Taffy's writing, um, she just avoided... You know how it's very easy to write a cliched boy under under 10 years old? Yeah. Think like Stephen King writing like the little boy in Cujo. And I'm not criticising Stephen King. I, mm. I love Stephen I think he's a great writer. But a lot of people write that very cliché, Mommy, when's Daddy coming home? Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I went to American. Um, and I just think this is not a cliché or an exaggeration. This is just a very authentic, understated troubled but inquisitive yeah um loyal little boy yeah uh, i thought i thought he was written really well hannah too in fact that gosh, episode with hannah was really with, good, when she goes it? to camp yeah oh, let's go there that was quite really intriguing and yeah just awful but again reminded me of how um does make me very sad like divorce, divorce makes me very sad with kids it's just mm. it's such a destabilizing thing and you know parents you if you're unhappy you can't help but be self more you have to be more selfish to rectify certain things in your life you can't just go on being selfless and only put the children first and all that sort of thing but it did really give you a sense of how hannah was just so unsupported as well and yeah. not really knowing what's what and who to trust and and all the shame she got as well and obviously it was a you know a sort of expected situation you're like yep i bet they dealt with it in the way mm. that most schools and camps still would is that it's the girl who's done the bad thing and yeah. the boys are all fine and you know boys will be boys and all that sort of thing no, and that completely. was very depressing but so the scene was um Hannah and Solly both went off to camp and meanwhile Toby and Rachel continued with their separate lives um Toby gets a call to come down to camp and get Hannah, a serious situation has happened, and he says, "What? Well, you know, he's he's concerned. He's like, what's going on?" The camp leader goes, "She's fine. There's there's been a sexual thing. Can you just come down?" So obviously, he must be driving mm. down to camp, going, "Oh my goodness!" You know, you take Toby and his morality and his own relationship out of it for a minute and just imagine a parent. And he gets there, and it turns out that um, she sent naughty pictures. She sent yes pictures, and she's eleven. Um, yeah. She sent pictures to one of the boys, and because boys are twats, uh, he sent it around everywhere. And obviously, the whole camp got hold of it, and she had to be come and picked up. Home, the boy yeah. was not not sent home. Uh, so it just addresses that whole thing of a dad confronting his daughter, driving her home from camp, and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's weird because it's weird because actually that is one point where you again I'm not rooting for him, but yeah, it must be strange for parents and I know it is for me as an old sibling to realise no they're turning into little adults and mm. you know there will be things they do that need to stay very separate from your life. What else do we want to say about it? Yeah, I mean for me it's it is quite a not feminist capital letters book, but it is a bit feministy and in, in its subtext. Um, this whole thing of the erasure of women through men. It's like the man's story is front and centre, but it's only as we get deeper into it, we realise, hang on, what's going on with yeah. Libby is really interesting. And she's clearly going through a sort of stage of a very relatable phase, I imagine, for a lot of people, probably particularly in sort of settled relationships or with kids. It's like, who am I? Who am I in relation to the world? What am I? Um, what makes me me? 
uh, as soon as there are kids in the picture and a stable home and all this sort of thing. And it makes you think what makes a happy marriage as well when you've got Libby who has this caring husband but there's clearly something that she's just, she's missing that childish wonder maybe, that childishness, that hanging out with the boys, that freedom. And actually it's something that stuck with me was Mm. that sense of, was a grown woman having male friends and that freedom of just not caring about anyone in, in a weird way because you desexualize yourself yeah. in those environments. And they're, they're friends from, like, you know, school years or, you know, teenagers. They know her, and um, but ultimately they're not there for her, really. She's the one who's there for them, as she has been in her whole life, which has been writing writing about men as well. And I think this whole book is actually her realising, hang on, I've, read, I've made a whole book about a man, not about myself. Yeah. Yeah, I th- I do think it is quite profound. You do really follow characters into the dark here. Let's. Um, I, I I quite like this book linguistically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've said this before, so I'm probably repeating myself. But I haven't read a lot of um, modern literature. This was released last, last year, year, 2019. Yeah. Let's pull a let's let's pull a paragraph out. At home. Rachel smelled the cigarette despite his best efforts, but only after realising he was holding a woman's sweater that didn't belong to her. She didn't ask him whose sweater it was or who he'd had the cigarette with. The next day, they learned they were expecting Hannah. Hmm. So that's from a flashback, obviously, is yeah. when they're in the daughter. Um, that's the thing, actually, when it, when it goes on, you get a lot more... I mean, it's the latter part of the book where you get the real flashbacks that give colour on the whole thing that eventually show, show you Rachel's story, show you Rachel's struggle. Uh, and suddenly... And it's, it, it, this is only an extension of what you were saying earlier, but it just flips the whole thing on its head um, and just goes, wow, the, you're, you, you know, quite cleverly, you've played with my perspective of, yeah. of how I've read this book. Um, and also, ultimately, you don't know what happens in the end. Oh, God, um, the ending of all endings. It, um, yeah, if anything ever screams sequel. <laughs> yeah, Rachel comes back, doesn't she? Yeah. So here's, here's the last line, so big spoiler. He watched the people move around in his ghost body, and he felt that he had room for them all, that they could all stay, and he could accommodate them and be their host. He stood staring with this thought, for he didn't know how long until he heard a key in the lock and a hinge creak open. And he turned to see Rachel standing in the doorway. And that is quite a um, story within a story, isn't it? Because she said if she were to end it, that's how it would end, doesn't she? In a, is it in a conversation with Toby? She says, oh, oh does she? The story I can't yeah, recall yeah. that, but you're, yeah, probably. Oh, Which is a tiny bit like the end of the Little Women film, um, the Greta Gerwig uh, one, which I saw the other week, um, which is basically the publisher talking to Joe March about what her ending needed and then she's kind of acting out that ending at the same time. I quite like um, this review by Katie Guest. She she says, Fleischmann is in trouble is a remarkable work of ventriloquism, which I think is a really great um, summary of it. It's like, yeah, it's mm. ventriloquism, isn't it? It's speaking for someone else. Okay, yeah, yeah. She's telling his... Yeah, she's the one telling she's his telling story. She's telling his story, yeah. Because yeah. uh, do you think ultimately Libby... Libby's feeling for Toby Fleischman is warts and all love. No, no, I don't get that sense at all, actually. You think um, it's frustration? Heartbreak? No. Um, I think she's just attached herself to him and, she, and he represents a time in her life where she felt a bit more free. I think that's what friends like that are for a lot of women. And obviously she's in this settled marriage and... You know, she's a mother and she doesn't ever feel sort of appreciated for her work as other men do. And she's always scared to write in the way that men do. And that 
sort of fearlessness that other you know male writers have that she doesn't and and that's a very feels like a very woman of our time kind of thing um to have been sort of raised thinking you need to be really wary of what you're writing and how you come across and then just seeing all these men not caring about that yeah um so i think she's i think he just represents a time maybe when she wasn't that and i think that's why she smokes and mm. you know mm. when she's around him and does weed and all that sort of thing i think it's a bit of her rebellion thing and, and trying to be in touch with herself yeah. and and so ultimately realizing that you know marriage is just gratitude like <laughs> allowing yourself to be happy and knowing that it won't be everything yeah and i think that's what she sort of you know realizing hi this is craig robinson from ways to win and support for this podcast comes from invesco qqq the official etf of the ncaa the future isn't scary not realizing its potential however could be Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you want to go back to third person, first person? Because I know we say it shifts perspective. I mean, some of the other reviews I've read say that they, it's in, sometimes it's in third and sometimes it's in first, as okay. you've said. So that is what I got. And I, I yeah. initially felt a bit dumb for missing no, that. No, no, no. Obviously I d- other people I just, got that. Yeah, I just didn't get that. Yeah. Um, I, I do I, think, I think you're right. I felt it's all written by Libby. Like she's yeah. the narrator. It's just sometimes she that would definitely... shines a closer light on... Yeah, that would definitely make sense. But it, I think it's actually just quite interesting that, yeah. that some people can get another thing because obviously you know the history of literature is littered with great books that that change perspective and i don't know whether it was a deliberate device from taffy that we we might not get you know not everybody would get to the end of this and go oh it was libby talking all along oh no but you get that from oh you mean the whole thing right yeah i can't because for me i was like yeah that's just libby it's just sometimes she's Closer to uh, yeah. yeah, I'm but, saying yeah, it's yeah, interesting yeah, it's that people might would just think it's, it's yeah. first and it's switching perspectives. Mm. Maybe I've missed something there. Did you say the site was going to be a screenplay or? A... I think so. Yeah. Okay. So she just posted a uh, sort of screenshot of um, a few uh, script words on the page. I'd be, it, I'd be so it, interested it to really see this on stage. Actually, so yeah. actually, the only other thing I want to bring up, which is a bit like Marriage Story, is the class element and how they are just filthy rich and privileged and it just makes you feel a bit sick <laughs> they really are yeah and uh, not in a way that makes me feel sorry for them like yeah. for all the problems they have in society blah 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 in a way that's like you two need to grow the fuck up 
and see where you are. Yeah. Like it just that that <laughs> element for me, I'm like like you can afford Mona, your housekeeper of ten years. Yeah. Like poor fucking Mona. She got she got fired like on the spot. Yeah. It's it's a weird thing because in a way, if you are white and privileged, the stories that you tell can almost identity and class don't have to be at the centre of it. Like you're blissfully free to write a story that is literally just about the emotions you're feeling that aren't impacted by how society treats you mm. based on, yeah, colour or class or religion or anything like that. I mean, oh, they are Jewish, so obviously there's a, an element there, but they're, you know, rich Jews in Manhattan um, with mm. a community and a, sort of a place. So obviously stories are quite freed up when you go, like, for me, if I wanted to write a story about my own upbringing, I can't write that without a lens of identity in that because it mm -hmm. wouldn't be accurate because that has affected how I've been treated, how I've treated other people, all this sort of thing. But so it is a tiny frus frustration of mine that it is just so dripping in wealth. And mm. I wonder what the story would be if they were just a little bit lower class, a little bit more normal. I mean, it's, it's not even a, a complaint, to be honest. It's just a, an no, annoyance of the characters, isn't it? When you go, oh my, you just kind of want to shake them and go, like, are you, have you got any idea how lucky you all are? Yeah. All the therapy you can afford if you just stopped caring what people thought. But do you think that's because ultimately, um, you know, an audience that reads this likes to read about a doctor and an agent in Manhattan yeah. rather than someone on the dole yeah. and someone with a very bang average entry-level job in Stockport. Yeah. You, you know, do, 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 do you think that's because it, it's glamorous and it's marketable to read about a couple in Manhattan? Yeah, absolutely. Jobs? I mean, a lot of the books I read sort of quite easily in my 20s were that kind of Carrie Bradshaw-esque mm. sort of era stuff. Yeah. And, um, and again, and this is a really weird bit of synchronicity, but like like the film we watched last night, did we mention we watched a film last night? <laughs> um, is um, They were... Had all this money to They had this money life. and they were between LA and New York in this divorce. And, yeah. and, and you actually said at one point, you're going, it is really sad, but... Can, you know make it work yeah <laughs> make, yeah the whole the whole thing could have been sorted by him know, you know having yeah. an equally good career uh, I, but i say that as someone who's got a divorce so i'm there, like yeah. uh, try a bit yeah. hard <laughs> and maybe and there probably are books that i've read and books out there if i were to rack my brains a bit better but um yeah i think actually divorce is more heartbreaking when it's people struggling that were struggling together do you know what really makes me sad mm. I'm, I'm about to sound like like the worst <laughs> fucking person in the world you know right you know when you see heroin addicts walking down the street in the uk oh, you're, i bet you're gonna cut all this out no, am I? Yeah, right you know you're right you know when you see people who are clearly you know need help yeah. need help in the uk and um and they have the sort of puffy face that just suggests yeah. you know class a drugs and it's quite a common thing in the uk that you know they're, they're shouting at each other walking down the street yeah. it's a really common thing they in couples these you know and and that makes just makes me really sad. You're sad that they're unhappy in their relationship, not yeah. every other problem. Yeah, yeah, I go, oh, don't argue. All she got is each other, which is a together. fucking terrible, <laughs> patronising, assumptive. No, but you think that about think. everyone. Like, um, if you see any arguments in the street, you're like, yeah. oh, just be nice. Well, I do get that. Yeah, like do you remember when we were at the airport, I can't remember where we were oh, going no, back from. Just sort of... That couple was really arguing. But you know, in, on holiday, you're like, it's stressful, and the world is against you, and you just you've got to be together. You got to yeah, stick together yeah, on absolutely. it. And, yeah, we've all been there. We've all, you know, been in a couple that has been arguing and but even when yeah. we've been stressed on holiday i don't know um, yeah we're just brilliant and perfect i mean we really yeah. are um, even when you took us to the wrong stadium for a rugby game yeah. just, you know 
didn't, we I still didn't made it, and once. we got to see the training ground that was five miles <laughs> in the other direction in the Italian <laughs> suburbs. Yeah, it was fine. That was November. Um, Should we um, look at one star reviews? Um, absolutely. Can yes. I just uh, on while we're doing class and sticking oh, yes. together mortality, which is one thing. There were uh, the, there was a little sub story woven into this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, Subplot. The subplot woven into this book. Every day's a school day. Um, <laughs> the the Coopers, who were in, they were patients of. Um, oh Toby's. yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and it worked as a really nice subplot because a that lot was of it was. Men, boo. Well, it was a lot of Toby's indifference to his job and his responsibility and his attitude towards his students and things. Yeah. And, you know, um, and I actually found the dynamic change throughout the book, which I guess is what a story is. But it was more. Um, there was just this point that really stuck with me um, with the Coopers when. Um, she was she was dying at the end, yeah. And there was a line, and I'm paraphrasing this one of the exact line, but the Coopers were sort of saying, but, "But have you tried this?" Toby and his team were going, "We've done everything," and in, yeah, the narrator just goes, and they realised that their money wasn't going to save them. Yeah. I think that's such a real thing that I mean, I imagine people in the medical profession must see mm-hmm. a lot of it. It just made me think. I, di- I didn't. I don't have anything really to relate to it, but yeah. I imagine there are just you know a certain a certain level of privileged person you meet. And like, so for example, when I used to work fairly often in Monaco, mm-hmm. you know, I was not rich, but I was working directly for very very rich yeah. people. And their entitlement and the way they would treat us as musicians, we were at the time, just outrageously yeah. privileged. Like I cannot believe some of the yeah, people who can't comprehend that they their money can get them anything yeah yeah, anything. yeah um and and it's just interesting isn't it because at some point we are all in a hospital bed but anyway it's all getting very bleak um, <laughs> <laughs> so sorry on to what Let's you were going to steal yeah one star reviews okay so bridget post uh has said self-congratulation is uh her title okay dreadful self-obsessed whinging None of the characters came to life. They were all mouthpieces for the author's self-congratulatory insights and observations, full of fashionable received opinions about parenting. Much too long and verbose. Don't agree with any of that. No, I can't say I do. Oh, j- just to say, in, in case um, our segue wasn't clear, so, um, it, so we read out one-star reviews on Amazon because angry people are really funny. Uh, we do it for every book. I'm just thinking in case... No, no, the, you're the right, I forget. And thinks I... we're just slagging them off. This is very much part of the show that where we, <laughs> we dig out the, the, the angry people. <laughs> so, yeah, we like to look at one-star reviews and see what they say. Sometimes, sometimes you find some interesting stuff in there. Other times it's just quite funny and I disagree completely. H. Pettifer says, Boring, sex-obsessed and unrelatable characters... All right. she should read Bukowski. I'm sorry, being sex-obsessed makes them relatable, thank you, for some of us. Um, I hated the first page, which didn't help, and then the first third of the book... <laughs> I hated the first page, which didn't help. Okay, and then the first third of the book got no better and just continued to go on about sex. Is this really what it's like in the New York Jewish community? Right. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. I think this person picked it up and goes, right, I'm going to judge all Jewish people based on Toby Flashman. Uh, most of it didn't add anything, didn't move the story along and was unnecessary detail. I ended up skimming entire paragraphs and the rest of the book didn't get much better. Even the children are sex obsessed. <laughs> oh, my word. The children are not sex obsessed. The, the girl society- explores. Oh, my God. But, um, but that, uh, I think the point is society is sex obsessed. That is it. That is why suddenly you, you can commoditize human beings through apps 
and people do. Yeah, it's yeah. a comment. It's a whole thing. And the, and the thing that's interesting about Toby Fleischman with like the, the women he's just swiping through, it's like, of course, that behaviour is going to eke down to your daughter, not directly from you, yeah, but yeah. in a society that is like that, yeah. that seeps down. And so and actually, you are responsible for that. You, yeah, and, and all of the app play in this book and all of the sex in this book, at no point is it glamorous. No. Even when, you know... He's, you know, he Seeing is having huge, sex. That Iranian or, woman, yeah. Yeah, actually, it's all a little bit crass, and even he yeah, thinks so. Um, and you know, that's it's just he's, it's a, quite he's a kid in a sweet shop who's just discovered it. He's a kid in a sweet shop realizing actually there's dirt all over the floor and yeah. the sweets are yeah. rotting his teeth. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know? <laughs> um, wow, that was brilliant. I'm, I'm going to retire now. Um, I didn't like any of the characters. None of them seemed like real complex people, however, they were written about. Um, I don't think you need to know. I I don't think you need to know much about Judaism to know what's going on, but this gives a poor impression of the community. <gasps> right, I, we are that just reading an the, anti-Semite, aren't oh we? Oh, my God. Um, what's the name? H. Pettifer. My H. Pettifer, shame yourself on out. you. Look, oh, my shame word. Shame on you. I'm really. I'm literally sat here with my head in my we, hands, going, "Oh my we, god!" We set out to read funny, angry people. That we, was not we funny. Don't set out. No, we keep it because we called her out. Yeah. Uh, but this is what is wrong with the world, though. Like people read something with a Jewish name on it and go, "Right, I'm going to read this and find out all about every single Jew in the world, and I hope they represent themselves very well." Blah blah blah. Oh my word. Oh. People. And I say that having been the fucking token Muslim young Muslim woman on radio, and then not even having my face on the BBC website because by that point I didn't wear a headscarf and with a white face, they didn't think I looked Muslim enough so they put a load of Pakistani people on. I actually didn't know that. Yep, I did an interview with the BBC radio. I did a few few in my um, teens and by the time I was like 19, I'd stopped wearing headscarf and they did an interview for Radio Cambridgeshire and then when I looked at the transcript online, it was sort of Faces of Islam or whatever and they had a a sort of collage of six Muslim faces. There was a white guy with a beard, mm-hmm. and then Pakistani girls without a headscarf, and a woman with a head, Pakistani with a headscarf, but not my actual face. <laughs> they took a photo, but they didn't put it up. Oh God! They didn't even like ask for it because I, I had been wearing like a cowl neck top, so maybe it looked like I was naked because they just took a head and shoulders or whatever. But it's like they could have asked for another photo, but yeah, that was like or to put a scarf on. Like a neck around the yeah. neck, like scarf. <laughs> so I didn't look naked. Um, but yeah, so I had an interview and they didn't even have my face on it. They had more Muslim looking oh, faces. Nice anyway, um, Chris Jennings. Such a boring book. It goes precisely nowhere. Nah. Hard to like, let alone love the characters. And so you give up caring what happens to them. Three quarters of the way down through, there's a feminist agenda thrown in, which mm. feels out of place and badly thought out. You know, it was probably badly thought out because a woman thought about it. So it was just, yeah. she needed a man to really sort of See, at the very start of, of his one-star review, I was, I was briefly going, actually, there was a point where I was going, all oh, this is going nowhere. But no, it did take loads of really interesting turns yeah. and the perspective switched and the... Someone died. Yeah. Someone died, Chris. Yeah. Donnie Rock, tenuous connection to reality. I understand that because they are very rich. We've already said this. This is basically a study of a man separated from his wife who finds his two children dumped on him by the estranged wife who then disappears. The plot is weak. I don't think that's. Do you think that's a weak plot? A man left with his kids after she disappears? No, no. I think I, that's a weak I, plot. I, I think that's quite a strong I, sort of premise. This is a very much a plotted book. Don't agree with yeah. that. <laughs> um. Swipe, swipe, swipe. Like <laughs> swipe, Toby, swipe, keep swipe. swiping. Total rubbish. Promoted by the author on the Beeb and purchased on a whim. Didn't manage to get beyond chapter one. Sad face. Well, says, says who? Uh, Jeannie. 
Jane You're missing out. Get S, in the lantern. S says bland and boring, uh, which reminds me of the uh, Goodness Gracious Me sketch in the 90s. So, yeah, this person wrote bland and boring. I bought this book as it had good reviews. What a disappointment. This book is boring, bland and utterly narcissistic. Waste of money. Even one star is too much. Do you know what you could have done? Could have not left a review. Then that would have been no stars. Amazon customer writes, I didn't like this and didn't continue to read it. Wasn't my type of book. First few chapters were quite distasteful. Distasteful. It's another person. Do you think, though? I just like, distasteful. I don't understand. Why all these, like, pearl clutching? Why don't people read the fucking blurb? Like, finally free from his nightmare of a marriage, Toby Fleischman is ready for a life of online dating. And then further down, while Toby tries to find out what happened, juggling work, kids, and his new app-assisted sexual popularity... Reading a book, and obviously this is just my opinion, I'm not these angry Amazon people, um, should take you somewhere you weren't expecting it yeah. to go. So, like, I'm going to p- pick an example out of the sky. Um, I read Confederacy of Dunces mm-hmm. by uh, John Kennedy O'Toole. Who was I speaking with that about? I think it was your brother. Really good book. Really good book. Um, towards, it's not that far, a few chapters in, um, you're with this sort of pr- protagonist who is very strange. He seems like he has special needs on some level and he's very at odds with the world. And uh, he sort of lays on his bed you know, has some personal time thinking about his dog. <laughs> now, at that point, I went, I, I wouldn't have written this and I, I I, don't think that's a, you know, that's not on my radar of taste, you know, thinking sexually <laughs> like about Sarah pets. Sarah makes all his incest jokes, yeah. though. You just, like, sit through it. However, go, oh, yeah, <laughs> I didn't write the book off, no. you know. Yeah. I also watched the Slovakia movie, which goes a bit further, but... um. I just, I find it so interesting that with with books, you're reading someone's personal perspective. Like, you're reading a character's internal world. Yeah. That includes, I feel like for most Warts people, sex. Tell me if this is a terrible comparison. Mm-hmm. You know when we went to the rugby mm-hmm. and those American students <laughs> were sat behind us? In the stands! Yeah, yeah. and I, it was so pissing me off. So, like, little backdrop, I'm a huge rugby purist and love going to watch my team. Uh, me and Hadja went, and there were those four four students who were clearly at the University of Northampton and, had, you know, for a semester or whatever, <laughs> and had got themselves some tickets. Fine, I think that's great. Come and experience something new. Yeah. You know, it's that's that's yeah. that's great. Everything that happened on the pitch <laughs> that the crowd was reacting to in unison. Yeah. And I imagine if you don't know the rules of rugby, sometimes yeah. a bloke will boot the ball into the crowd and it probably doesn't make sense as to why they've done but it. You just trust that everyone else isn't is acting in the outraged. Yeah. <laughs> and these lads, into the stand, why did he do that for? What was the point in that? <laughs> anyway, is that a fair comparison yeah, with these reviews? Yeah, it's it's, it's just people giving scathe reviews that are completely inaccurate and surely they've got the brain switched on the computer, they've got the brain to know what they're saying is inaccurate. Yeah, it's, I, just, um, I don't get it when books aren't discussion. I mean, I'm saying this and I know I'm coming across complete hypocrite because obviously I did struggle with Bukowski and I did struggle with... Uh, you did um, give nuance in your opinion, though. Uh, no, you, like, you gave it its saving graces or from your perspective. Yeah, um, it's just, I mean, I, I, I like it when the reviewers just go, oh, not for me, or da, da, da. It's just when they go... Yeah. Go on about, Actually, and the thing is, when they say like, so they're yeah. saying it's a tedious read. I get it if you don't like the characters. Like we talk about this, likability is not. You don't. Why should characters be likable? All you're trying to do is, for me, I want an insight into someone else's world, and I want that to make me reflect on my own and my own mm. choices in a way. And I want to be able to apply the stuff I'm reading to my life uh, in in some small way. And I find that the the amazing part of that. That's what reading is for me it's okay what what can i learn here and um 
uh, and yeah, how does it make me sort of think more about my own life and the world and other people and blah, blah, blah. And hopefully it gives you more compassion. Hopefully it gives you insight. Sometimes it might make you angry. Sometimes you might, oh my God, these people are insufferable. I'm going to make sure that I appreciate my world more because mm, they can't be mm. happy when they're earning millions of pounds and they could just give all their money away and they'd, you know, they'd probably feel better. Um, but it doesn't mean that therefore the whole book is bloody shit and it's tedious mm. and childish writing. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I don't, anyway. No, you're right. It's funny we've we've hit upon these frustrations cause, <laughs> because because yeah, you pick up a book, uh, and you you want to go on you know go on a journey with these characters, mm. whether you like them or not. I do continue to be amazed by this idea of good and bad writing um, because obviously there's so many aspects to writing, and no one is right. Obviously, no one has the answer on what makes good writing or not, and we're all different, and we all connect with things very differently. Like, in my mind, I'm completely sure that I know what good writing is and what it isn't. Mm. And then I'm always shocked when people have a different opinion to me because it feels so real, doesn't it? When you like writing, you're like, but I understand exactly what's going on. I yeah. get these characters. And it is a, it's such a puzzle how some people can read something, like, actually hate the writing. Like, they can't yeah. follow the story or they can't connect with the character. And other people can. I know that's such an obvious thing to say, but it, no, it, it is. But, but it's a little baffling, isn't it? And from one point of view, you go, "Yo, well, we're all different," you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't get on with the Testaments. You, you really yeah, liked it. it yeah. Vice versa for um, Fahrenheit. Yeah. Well, I think we've had a good old chops about Fleischman is in trouble. Yeah. Uh, what star rating would you give it out of ten? Very, very, very good book. Sort of out of my comfort zone, only on account of the fact it's quite modern literature. Um, I'm not that familiar with it, and I'm I'm glad I enjoyed it so much. It makes me more open to reading, you know, stuff that come, comes out, and I can break my duck of just being obsessed by you know classics and modern classics and catching up for mm-hmm. of reading I did not do in my late teens. I thought the character arc was fantastic. I thought the switch in perspective was great. Um, and I just loved getting to the end of this book and discovering Rachel's journey yeah. and suddenly realizing that you know really feeling for her. Yeah, there was just so such a such a yeah such a lot of power. Yeah, um, sort of swirling around her character. So I enjoyed it. Um, I, I okay, I give it a solid seven. Solid Do you know what I mean? I've, I've read books yeah. I've loved. I, think, I wouldn't say I loved this book and fell in love with it, but really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Great read. Would read anything else uh, Taffy, Brodessa, Acne comes out with. Um, and you? I got towards the end of this book and I was in bed with you and I remember just feeling so grateful to have you. And that for me, me is what... Yeah, you. <laughs> um, and that for me is what made it quite a powerful book because it was this idea of... I was able to reflect on my own life and be grateful for things in my life. Mm. And... Based on the based on Libby's journey as well, based on what Libby was saying about this, you know, her uh, narration of this couple and um, and her own struggles and everything. And I was like, oh, you know, yeah, you just I I can't remember the passage. There's some things where she reflects on it in in such a succinct way. um, And it's so brilliantly written uh, that, you know, you could almost sort of have a little quote on your wall or something about it. Live, laugh, love. Yeah, (laughs) just like that. But yeah, I read it and I felt I genuinely felt I knew just a little bit more about the world, even though for me it's problematic in terms of the class thing. And there's so much money sloshing around and blah, blah, blah. But it's brilliantly written. I think Mm. it's so, so clever. Um, yeah, I, I really do. I, I've got a massive crush on this woman now. I think she's fucking oh. brilliant. Um, I, I hope I'm, she listens, by the way. <laughs> well, I see. I think we've largely... I'll harass yeah, her. Yeah. I'll send her a tweet. I think this was... An, but think, do you want to hear my star rate? I was going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. Okay, so, great. There you go. That's, that's 
mine. No, yeah, really liked it. <laughs> Thanks uh, for interrupting so, me. So normally, yeah, I am sorry. Um, <laughs> normally, we sort of agree on a number in the middle. I think that's changed now. I think well, since Fahrenheit. Well, no, I just think what you just said was so nice and sincere. I think we have to give it an 8.5. Oh, it's I, mine. I think Yay, it, deser- I it deserves win. that. Um, I so great. Win. No, thank, thank you for bringing this to the table because uh, this was really fun to read. I still can't remember who gave it to me or whether I bought it. It just sort of appeared before <laughs> appeared. Christmas. Fleischman is in trouble by Taffy Bradessa Ackner. Is we're giving it an eight point five. Um, we both firmly recommend you reading it. It's fantastic. If you aren't sensitive and you can take scenes of a sexual nature. So a couple of bits of business before we wrap up. Yeah. Um, we. I don't think we know what we're going to read next time, do we? Uh, I'm thinking our next book will be Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. That has been hugely lauded and I would uh, like us to tuck into that. In fact, I've already started reading the first 30 pages. Have you? Great. Okay, so you hurtle through it uh, and I'll do the same and then that's the next book. If you would like to recommend a book, get in touch with us in any way, let us know your thoughts, feelings, um, favourite one-star reviews, anything you want to talk to us about, even if you just need a shoulder to cry on or a listener near, um, email one of us, curtis at dabblersbookclub.com or hadger at dabblersbookclub.com. We are on Twitter, dabblersbooks. Uh, anything else? Website dabblersbookclub.com where you'll find a few links to the books and a couple of reviews and interviews and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Oh, and leave us a review. Please leave us a review. Please leave us a review That'd on really uh, whichever platform you're listening to us on. I think iTunes is probably the best one to review us. Thank you so much for listening, and hopefully, we'll see you again soon. Great. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.